This is The SBI Show Hello everybody I'm Ivis Kalarsep And I know you're probably thinking Wait, is this the right show? What's this music about? Well, decided to try a little, something a little different New music New intro music I kind of like it I don't know if I'm going to stick with it But I'll, I'll let uh, listeners decide if they like it or not now, we have so much to get to, and I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I'm not going to make it mega long, but we do have a lot to talk, talk about. U.S. men's national team, December squad. We have some veterans coming back and some new faces, some youngsters. So I know U.S. fans are excited. Anytime you get new faces, you get the youngsters, the players you've kind of heard about but haven't seen much of people get excited MLS playoffs full swing and the drama continues in the MLS playoffs it doesn't stop dramatic finishes uh, turmoil soap operas now we have news some, some late news here to get into regarding the Philadelphia Union we'll get into that I think those are going to be the main topics we get in on this episode because, like I said, it's not going to be it's not going to be the longest episode. It's going to be a good episode, I hope. We have so much to get into. First, U.S. men's national team roster. Greg Berhalter calling in his last squad of the year, and as expected, missing. Uh, you know, you don't have your European-based players. You knew it was going to be an MLS-based contingent, mostly. But actually, we got some foreign-based players in there. Into the mix, and uh, the before well before we get into that, we have to talk about the veterans. Some of the veterans, obviously, you knew some players that would be there: Walker Zimmerman, Matt Turner, Kellen Acosta, Sebastian Legit. You knew you knew those guys were going to be there. You knew Ricardo Pepe most likely was going to be there. You didn't you know you, you didn't think he was going to necessarily need uh, a rest, but he's there. And then you have Jordan Morris, Aaron Long. And Jesse's artists, although Jesse's artists hasn't been gone quite as long as Aaron Long and Jordan Morris from the national team picture, but you're talking about three veterans coming off injuries, some longer term injuries than others. And uh, it's interesting because you wonder, you know, obviously Jordan Morris has been out so long with the torn ACL that he suffered last winter, last February, I want to say, when he was at Swansea. You had Aaron Long, who suffered the torn Achilles right before the Nations League. And he's back now. He didn't play at the end of the season, so he hasn't been back in action. So you wonder, you know, is he realistically somebody who's going to play in December? I don't see that, but I think you bring him into camp. Obviously, before the injury, Aaron Long was a basically starting center back. He was one of the best center backs in MLS. He had been the starting center back next to Aaron Long. And when he's healthy and, and, you know, ready to go, he is one of the best. For me, he's still one of the best center backs in the pool. Now, obviously, you you need to see how his recovery is, uh, how long it takes for him to get back into his best form. I think it's going to be a challenge for Aaron Long to be a factor for the January-February qualifiers because, I mean, he's not going to have any games really before that. Even if he were to play in this Bosnia game, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily that alone is going to be enough to say, okay, you know, he's ready to roll. But I'm sure Greg Berhalter is looking at the big picture and he says, you know what, Aaron Long, once he is playing again, 
with the Red Bulls. And once he is, gets that rhythm going, that, you know what, maybe come March, March qualifiers, wrapping things up, maybe he's in there. And who knows a year from now, when you're talking about putting together the World Cup team, how things will, will play out. And could Aaron Long be one of your four center backs that you take to the World Cup? Absolutely. Absolutely could be. If he can get back to the to the form, his MLS Defender of the Year form, his starting goalkeeper at the uh, 2019 uh, Gold Cup form, if he can get if he can get to that, there's no reason he can't get he can't work his way back into the top four. Now, obviously, there's a lot of competition, but I wouldn't go ruling him out just yet. Now, Jordan Morris, obviously, before the injury, he also was someone who was, you know, pretty strong, strongly placed in the crop of wingers, and obviously, the whole the situation in the winger pool is, is you don't have a ton of winger options who that, that have stepped up to really take control of things. Obviously, Brendan Aronson has done well for himself. Tim Way has done well for himself. Uh, but Conrad De La Fuente, it's taken him some time, obviously. Paul Ariola hasn't really, you know, he's had some moments. Jamaica home game, the Jamaica home qualifier, he was great. But you wonder, you know, is he someone who, who stands to lose his place once Jordan Morris gets rolling again? Because Jordan Morris was absolutely a starter before the injury. So now he's back. And I know I've spent a lot of time already talking about the veterans that are back, like Jossie's artist, who's, again, he's in the striker conversation. Not the sexiest pick, but he knows the system. Berhalter knows him. He can make things happen. So he's in there. He's in the picture. I know everyone wants to hear about the young players. So let's talk about the young players. Obviously, in goal, you've got Gaga Slonina, the Chicago Fire teenager. Outstanding prospect. And and to be clear, and I don't think it was addressed enough. I mean, I think for those who are wondering, you know, why why did why are some of these guys on here who are super young when they're really not going to be a factor for for World Cup qualifying, most likely? I mean, let's not forget. In 2022, you have the under-20 uh, CONCACAF championships, which basically are not only going to qualify teams for the under-20 World Cup, but also for the Olympics, for the next Olympics. One tournament, two tickets. So that team is going to be very important, that under-20 team in 2022. You wanna, you're going to want to be paying attention to that group. And there's a lot of talent in that age group. And we're not just talking about the Giorenas and Eunice Musas and Gianluca Busios and Joe Scallies. I mean, right there, you know, those, I mean, those are top-notch talents. But chances are, you know, at this point, it's hard to say if they're going to be able to play in that, that under-20 tournament. Probably not, based on past history when it comes to youth tournaments, and it's not even the U-20 World Cup, and clubs ha- clubs frown upon top players playing in the under-20 World Cup, so let alone a qualifier. So let's not even talk about those elite, the best of the best of that age group, but in this camp, this December camp, you're going to see quite a few players who could have a role to play in that under-20 setup, like Gaga Slonina, John Polskamp. I think John Polskamp's age-eligible. could be wrong. Justin Che, George Bello, Jonathan Gomez. Although, look, Jonathan Gomez is uh, supposed to be heading over to Real Sociedad, so you wonder what will happen to him. Kevin Paredes. All these players under-20 eligible. Caden Clark, Cade Cowell. So that's a good number. That's a good number of, of under 20 eligible players, all very promising prospects. 
And I know some people are like, wait a minute, what do we care about under 20s? We have a World Cup to qualify for. And like, um, anyone who wants to make that argument, I'd love to know if the people making that argument are probably the same people who don't want MLS players in the full squad as it is. Because I can't imagine, you know, if you're sitting there saying, you know, how dare you play these young guys in this game? Look, this is this is what you can get now. You can't get your you can't get Christian Pulisic for a non non FIFA window camp. And why would you? I mean, he's got games. He has games to play. All the top players are busy right now. One player who did get called in, who is part of a big team in Europe, but hasn't been playing, Brian Reynolds. I was a little surprised by that. Although it's pretty clear he's going to make a move in January. He's going to go somewhere on loan. Not Italy, most likely. Uh, Somewhere else in Europe. And credit to Greg Berhalter. He saw an opportunity there to bring him in. And he he very easily could not have brought it in because Roma uh, wants to keep him in Italy to potentially play in a conference game, in a, in a Europa League conference game next week. So he's actually going to not be part of the full camp. He's going to miss the first week of camp to play in that game. And my understanding is that, that that was still kind of being worked out. And it was really up to Berhalter to decide, hey, you know what? Do I want to bring him in for just half of a camp for a chance to get a, get a real look at him? And he did. He chose to bring him in anyway. So credit there. And I'm just looking at the roster here and who who's who interests me, right? Who interests me? And I mentioned some names already, obviously. Taylor Booth, you've heard, I've heard, you know, great things over the years. You know, part of the Real Salt Lake Academy setup, went over to Germany. He has shown some flashes. He's in the Bayern Munich setup. He's on, he's currently playing for Bayern Munich too. And he's a, he's a young, he's an interesting one because you hear good things about him. His skill set in the middle. His, his ability to, to, to pass. and But he, he he's a bit of a longer-term project. I don't think he's someone that, unless he makes a move in in twenty you know in January to, to get a loan move and, and get some consistent playing time, he, he's a bit of a longer-term one. Johnny Cardozo, the international midfielder, who we saw glimpses of a year ago. He's an interesting one as well. Born and raised, uh, grew up in Brazil, born in Jersey. I think he lived here for a week. No, I mean, it was not a week, but it was a short amount of time. But he's an intriguing prospect as well. Obviously, he was, uh, he did end up being part of the, uh, I want to say he was part of the Olympic qualifying setup. If I'm remembering that correctly. Cole Bassett, another one. I think he's someone who, you know, showed some really good things with the Rapids this year. And he very well could be making a move to Europe. In, in January. So he's definitely going to be one to watch as well. And I know there were some questions about players who didn't get called in. Like Daryl DK, Miles Robinson. And Greg Berhalter did make a point to clarify that, look, Miles Robinson needs a break. Fair enough. He played the full MLS season. Played the entire Gold Cup. He ended up starting most of the qualifiers. Most of the the octagonal qualifiers. So he, he's, hey, he's had probably as busy a workload... Actually, I'm pretty sure he's probably played as many minutes in this calendar year. I don't want to say as any player in the pool because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's up there. He's got to be up there. So you understand why he wants a break. This isn't actually a case of Atlanta United doing Atlanta United things like they have in the past where they've kept players out. This is a fair one. Miles Robinson, he can use a break. You know he's going to be part of the January qualifiers. 
January slash February qualifiers, you know he's going to be there. You're going to have him in that camp. So give him a break now. Fair enough. Darryl DK similar. You know, he, he, he was on loan at the start of the year, coming off of his rookie year. So you're, you're talking about someone who comes out of college, jumps right into the MLS season. From the MLS season into the English season. From the English season, English season ends, he co- it goes right, jumps right into the 2021 MLS season. Now that season has just ended, and he ended it very well. DK was in great form at the end of the MLS regular season. But you know what? Perfect time to give him a break because guess what? He could actually move in January. And if he transfers in January and you bring him into this camp, where's the break? He needs a break. Give him a month. Give him a solid month to, to, to rest up, recover, and be ready to roll if and when someone finds and pays the right price that Orlando City is willing to take for his services. And no, it's not $20 million. That's not happening. That was never a thing. It was a figment of people's imaginations. It was basically a price set. Orlando's way, Orlando City's way of saying, listen, we do not want to sell him. Hey, you want to pay us $20 million? Sure, you can have him, but no, we are not selling him. No one was paying $20 million for him. So that, that, but that number became a thing. Don Garber quoted it, and it kind of became this whole thing. No, he's not going for 20 Could he go for $8? Mm, yeah, he, I think he'd go for 8 would MLS love to get 10 for him? Would F- Would Orlando City love to get 10 for him? Yes. But we'll see. We'll see in January. And uh, I'll be the first to say I was kind of interested to see him in this camp. But it makes sense. It makes sense why he he's going to get that break now. And you'll get a chance to see Pepe, Ricardo Pepe again. And I know some people are like, wait a minute. It, doesn't Ricardo Pepe need a break? Doesn't isn't You know what? He... Uh, he, he, he let's forget let's not forget now he wasn't a starter for FC Dallas at the beginning of this year now once he took the starting role on he he didn't let it go he scored goals in bunches finished off the year in great in a great run but in terms of overall workload for the year i don't think he's someone who's on fumes so you bring him into camp let him work with Jesse's artists the ultimate consummate professional and there you go so I, I get that one for sure. Uh, in terms of other ones, Georgi Mihalovic, he's training. He's uh, on trial with Bologna. And <laughs> I've caught myself because I'm the first one to say, listen, it's not a trial. It's really training because European clubs and European media don't understand the concept of a training stint. They don't understand that teams make these arrangements and players can go over and train just to train and be in the experience and, and be in the environment and, and give them something to fill out the long off season. This has been going on for decades. This has gone on for since the league has been around, since MLS has been around, you're talking the 90s. In the 90s, you had players going over to Europe to, to, to train. Train, not trial, train. And I know we can say, oh, it's semantics. But listen, when when the Metro Stars was, you know, when they had Roberto Donadoni and, that connect, and they had those connections with AC Milan, and Miles Joseph and, and Brian Kelly and whoever went to AC Milan to train... They were not on trial. They were not on trial with AC Milan. In theory, you can argue it because you can say, wait a minute. Now, if they were amazing in the training and Milan decides to buy them, it's technically a trial. It's not a trial. It's training. Okay? Let's just get that straight. So this one's a little interesting because 
Mihailovic plays for CF Montreal, who's owned by Joey Saputo, who also owns Bologna. So you got a little situation there where Saputo, you know what, he bring, you know, he sets up that arrangement. And guess what? If Bologna likes him, could they make an offer? Could they bring him over? Absolutely. So I guess you could argue it's a trial, I guess. But it's not always necessarily a trial in the classic sense. One that I thought was pretty funny that I read today was Caden uh, Clark. Caden Clark, who is also part of the December squad. Um, there were reports out of Germany that he's going to join Leipzig on a trial. And Leipzig's going to decide what to do with him, whether to loan him or to keep him. And <laughs> so here's the thing, right? You go on trial to get a contract with a team. That's a trial. You don't have, you, you don't, you want to join this team. So you go trial, you go there, you show them what you got. And then they, then they buy you or they don't buy you. Guess what? Leipzig's already bought Caden Clark. He's bought and paid for. They own him. So it's not a trial. He's going to join the team that bought him. They're going to see what is, how he looks. And they're going to see if, you know what, is he ready to help now? Or do we send him on loan? Is that a trial? No, it's not a trial. He's going to train. And then they're going to see what, what they have in their, their purchase. And if they think he's not quite ready, maybe he goes to Salzburg. Or maybe they arrange another loan where he's going to get consistent playing time. And I know, look, it, we can say it's semantics, but I, the only reason I bring this up is because people just get, people can, can get crazy. People can start to be like, oh, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're on trial. Like they're on a trial. They have a chance to sign. Because when you hear, when you hear trial, it, it really does sound like they're close to a deal. That's kind of like the traditional idea of trial is like they have a good, they have a chance to sign a deal. And it's like, that, that's not the main purpose of the, of the trip. That's the thing. If it's not the main purpose of the trip, if the main purpose of the trip is to get some training time to, to, to fill out the seat, to fill out your off season, because you know, some MLS teams, some MLS teams are looking at like three months off. I mean, it's less now, maybe it's two and change months off for the teams that aren't, that don't make the playoffs. That's a long time. Montreal didn't make the playoffs. Georgi Mihailovic, he's got a lot of time. So you, so you know what? Send him to go train to Bologna. But I've always found this interesting. This has gone on forever. Forever. But what are you going to do? So it's, you know, it's a language thing as well. It's just customs and languages and European clubs not understanding what, a, what you know, what's just a training stick. But it is what it is. Getting back to this uh, December camp squad, I know Jonathan Gomez, for me, is one of the more intriguing players in this group because there's been so much said about who he wants to play for. He's obviously eligible. He's eligible to play for Mexico, for those who don't know. I think he's been called in before in the youth national team setups. So he's an interesting one. He's He's a very exciting left back prospect. I believe he was the USL Championships Young Player of the Year. And I know some people are like, wait a minute, he's playing US, he's in the USL? What is that? To be clear, I'm pretty sure he was part of the FC Dallas setup. He was part of the FC Dallas setup in their academy. He ends up going, signing his deal with Louisville City as kind of a stepping stone before making the jump over to Europe. And now he's heading to Europe. And he's he's an interesting one. He's a he's a talented prospect. Look, you can never have enough left back prospects. And right now, left back is not loaded. You you don't have a dozen 
top left backs. You don't have a dozen top anything, to be fair. But left back, if you're going to to this day, and, and it's been the case forever, is still one of the thinner positions in the national team pool. So you keep any prospect you can keep. You entice any pro- prospect you can, and he is exactly that. He's a, he's a very enticing prospect. Prospect. They'll have a chance to look at him in this camp to see where he is, see how he stacks up, see how he measures up against someone like George Bello. And I tell you what, George Bello, you know what? He's going to go in this camp, and he's going to see, look, this guy's my age. He's going to be my competition when you're talking 20s, when you're talking 23s. And for Berhalter, it's a chance to see, look, I've, I've played, I've started George Bello in a Gold Cup final. Let's see how Jonathan Gomez looks next to George Bello. Let's see how that competition goes. And that's going to be one of the storylines to watch in his camp. Another player who's in the camp, Austin Trusty. He was on my list of, uh, I made a list of players who've, who've earned a chance after, after the seasons that they were coming off of. And I thought Austin Trusty was one of those players who had played well enough to, to earn a look. He's a left-footed center back. He's, he started for the Colorado Rapids. He was a big part of their uh, first-place finish in the Western Conference in the regular season. Left-footed. Form, and for those who are like, where, where does that name sound familiar? He obviously was with the Philadelphia Union at the start of his career. He was, it was him and Mark McKenzie in the early days. They ended up trading him. They had Jack Elliott. I was, I mean, at the time, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised by that. I was surprised that they moved Trusty, but you know what? He goes to Colorado. It takes him a while, but eventually he finds his footing, and this year was the year where it really came together for him. And the fact is, there's not a ton. There's not many left-footed center backs. If you've got a lot of center backs playing on the left who can play on the left because they're two-footed but aren't necessarily naturally left-footed. We've seen that. Chris Richards is an example. I mean, John Brooks is the standard bearer of the natural left-footed center backs. You can say Tim Ream, but Ream, you know, he's getting older even though he's having a great year for Fulham. That needs to be said. But in terms of natural left-footed center backs, you can never have enough prospects in that category. Austin Trusty, one of those. So he's one, he's another player that I'm going to have my eye on. In the, I'll have my eye on in this camp. Not that I'm going to be there, but, you know. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll have my eyes on it. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people who are who seeing what's going on and I'll get a sense what's going on. And he's a player who has shown some good things in MLS this year. So he's a good one to keep an eye on. Uh, another player who's in camp that I'm sure some U.S. fans are going to be uh, not happy about, Jackson Ewell. He's back in. And the last people remember of Jackson Ewell was him being in the Nations League and looking t- and just not playing well at all. And he's had some forgettable experiences, some some forgettable matches with national team. I think the first Gold Cup match, maybe he did, he played in that, if I remember correctly. He had I could be wrong there, but he's had some some rough moments. But he also looked great in Olympic qualifying, and I know that's not that's not senior level, but still, he has shown things in the past. But clearly, he wasn't in good form. Heading into the summer, he was not in good form heading into the Nations League. In MLS play, he wasn't playing well. So it shouldn't have been a shock that you're you're in MLS play. San Jose wasn't playing well at the time. He definitely wasn't playing well at the time. He comes into the national team, stinks it up. But if you're Greg Berhalter, you have seen Jackson Ewell play much better than that. You've seen Jackson Ewell do some really good things. So Greg Berhalter is not one to just cast someone aside if he has seen them play well, even when they struggle. 
If you take a player who's never shown anything, never done, never played well, never never played themselves into a, a, a starting role or opportunity, those players, yeah, if they stink it up, they're probably not going to get called back, or they're probably you won't see them again. Jackson Newell, he has shown things in the past, and he happens to play a position where, where there's not. It's not like there's a long list of ready-made defensive midfielders that play the type of that have the type of profile that fit the way Berhalter wants to play that position. Now, one player who I thought might get a look was Matt Poster, New England Revolution midfielder. I thought he had a great year. I thought it was a big part of their supportership winning season. And he didn't get the call. I was a little surprised by it. I'll be, you know, I, Bruce Arena, obviously the coach of the Revs, Greg Berhalter and Bruce Arena have that relationship. So I thought, you know what, if anyone is going to have the inside scoop on Matt Poster, it's Greg Berhalter. And apparently he didn't, you know what, mate, I guess if you look at the makeup of the group, you've got Kellen Acosta in, he's, he can play as a defensive midfielder. He's also been used box to box. You have Johnny Cardozo who can play as the deep lying midfielder in the style and profile that Berhalter likes. And then you have Jackson Ewell. So if it's Ewell versus a uh, pollster, I mean, me personally, based on the years that they had and the qualities that Poster has, I would take, I would have taken a look at Poster personally. But Berhalter has seen good things from Ewell in the past. He wants to give him, give him another chance. He knows he wasn't playing well in the summer. So I think that I'm sure that's one that, that, US, that U.S. fans are not happy about. Fair enough. But there's enough to be happy about in this group, in this camp, in this roster. Because you know what? No one, you're never going to make everyone happy with your entire roster. You're just not. Because, I mean, honestly, if you left it up to... Uh, a good number of fans. It'd be all kids. It'd be it'd be a U eight. It'd be a U nineteen team. If you left it up to some fans, you need some veterans in there. You need a mix. And if Beralter wants to have a look at someone that he has seen do well in the past, I I can't knock him. I can't knock him for it. As much as I personally would have called him that poster. But I think that's it in terms of the December camp. Once again, the U.S. plays Bosnia and Herzegovina. On December 18th in Carson, California, the last match of 2021. Now, in some other U.S. men's national team related news, assistant coach Nico Estevez has left the U.S. men's national team to become the head coach of FC Dallas. And in a game of coaching musical chairs, uh, Luchi Gonzalez, who was the FC Dallas coach and uh, was replaced by, eventually replaced by Estevez, will is going to become the new assistant coach. So basically they're swapping roles indirectly. And um, Greg Berhalter confirmed that on Friday. He confirmed that the paperwork is going through on Luchin Gonzalez's deal to be an assistant coach. And it's an interesting one for FC Dallas, obviously, with Estevez. Estevez, you've only heard great things about the work he's done with the men's national team. Uh, he's uh, instrumental in the, in the recruitment and securing of the services of Yunus Musa. And obviously he's, he's been a big part of uh, of Berhal- Greg Berhalter setup as his kind of number one Lieutenant uh, after Josh Wolf left. And then Luchi Gonzalez, uh, he now to be as far as Luchi Gonzalez goes. And I, I said this when he was let go by FC Dallas, I thought he got a bit of a raw deal there because I think he was, he, he did really well to bring along talent, but you know, things really didn't go well in terms of the results this year and other teams around the league saw the same thing. And he had opportunities. He definitely had some opportunities. He could have taken some. There were there were definitely positions that he could have had this time around. He could have had this offseason, but 
he's biding his time. My understanding is, you know, I think I think he's got this. As far as my understanding goes, the contract with U.S. Soccer will probably only carry through for a year. Then you, in a year from now, there will definitely be other opportunities. There are other head coaching opportunities in MLS, and, and I think Luchi Gonzalez, as much as you know what he was, you know, he was fired by FC Dallas, but the, him being let go by FC Dallas did not diminish him as a prospect. A lot of teams, there's a there's a handful of teams that still rate him. He's still pretty high in the list of several teams. So I'd say a year from now, when we're having this discussion after the World Cup, I think it's it's a safe bet. Luchi Gonzalez will be a head coach in MLS a year from now when you're going into the 2023 season. Now, on the Americans Abroad front, uh, we on SBISoccer.com, I announced recently the Americans Abroad Player of the Month, and that was an easy pick. It was Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney had an outstanding November, even though he had an injury at the end. He, he suffered a knee injury in the Juventus' loss to Atalanta, but what a great, great, great month for him. He was just outstanding. Uh, really kind of setting a high bar and really in in multiple matches he you could argue he was Juventus's best player and and you know, think about that think about that statement multiple matches in November Weston McKinney was Juventus's best player and that's not hyperbole from an American that's that's fact he was he was that good uh, unfortunately he he suffered the knee injury it sounds like it's not supposed to be that serious he did miss a match he missed he missed their 2-0 win against Salernitana um, you got to think, yeah, you knew they you had a feeling they were going to beat Salernitana, the, the worst team in Serie A. But Juventus has had an up and down season, obviously. And they're used to competing for titles, but right now they're hoping to climb back into the race for the top four. And they're going to need Weston McKinney back because he's been a big part of their of their season, especially in the last month, the two months, and really earning a regular role. Uh, for Max Allegri, Massimiliano Allegri has become a fan of Weston McKinney, and it's interesting because there's still talk about a potential transfer. And obviously, there's interest in Weston McKinney from teams across Europe. Tottenham has been heavily linked to McKinney, but if you're a Juventus, can you really part with Weston McKinney right now? You need to try to fight your way into the top four, one way or another, and you don't do that by selling Weston McKinney. So personally, I don't see it happening. Uh, especially with Juventus really kind of, they're in a tenuous position because top four is not going to be easy. There's right now the, the competition in Serie A, it's the most competitive league in the world. And then you can say what you want about best league in the world, the English Premier League, yes, in terms of the money, in terms of the players. You can say they're the best league in the world. But in terms of the most competitive league in the world, in, ter- in terms of a league that has seven or eight good teams that you know can bring it every single week, right now the Serie A, is ha- Serie A has it. And because of that, Juventus picked a pretty bad time to have a have a really rough year. So it's not a given they're going to finish top four. So for me, I I wouldn't go worrying about Weston McKinney making a move. If he makes a move, it's going to have to be for some serious coin. And you don't necessarily see that in January for players of his profile in terms of positionally. But money talks. And if Tottenham has the money, maybe it happens. Maybe they sell Harry Kane, and then they have all the money in the world, and then they can pay whatever it costs to get McKinney. But unless some, unless you have a crazy domino effect like that, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see Juventus with their top four hopes still so up in the air, parting with a player who's shown to be a very important part of Max Allegri's plans. 
And the story that I, you know, I would have, if I had done an episode in the beginning, in the middle of the week, which was a plan and things just got really crazy. Uh, it's been, there's a lot of balls in the air over here. There's a lot of juggling going on. There's a lot, lot going on. Um, so I wasn't able to get an episode out, but if I had done the episode during the, you know, Monday, Tuesday that I had hoped to do, the headliner was Gio Reyna back training with Borussia Dortmund. How about that? He is back. Gio Reyna is back. And U.S. fans can rejoice because how long has it been? It's been almost three months since he since he's been out of action. And, uh, you know, it got to a point where you're kind of like, when is he coming back? You almost like wondered, is he coming back? Like, but he's back. He's back training. Um, he's not necessarily going to. He's my, my understanding is he, he won't play in Dortmund's match against Bayern. That's the big match in Germany. Obviously, their classicer. That game is this weekend. He shouldn't. F- factor into that but he'll be back in action soon enough and that's music to the ears of u.s men's national team fans because you want him on the field you want him in the lineup because he is that good you can argue he's the second or third best player in the u.s setup when he's healthy and as much as and it's crazy to think about the fact that the u.s is second right now in Concacaf qualifying and Gio Reyna played one match of the eight so far and it was the first one and he didn't play well it was uh, it was not his best showing, so we haven't even seen Giorena do his thing really in qualifying yet. But that time's coming. Knock on wood. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it's happening. And hopefully, he can get back on that field. And you know, Dortmund needs him too. It hasn't been a great season for Borussia Dortmund. They've been knocked out of the Champions League. They won't make it to the round of sixteen. And and believe it or not, they're actually still in second place in uh, in in the Bundesliga. So and they're not that far from Bayern. So. Maybe Reina can get back in there. And it was interesting. He finished ninth. Gio Reyna finished ninth in the uh, the player of the year, the U19 award. Um, the name escapes me of, for the, of the trophy. Um, but he uh, Pedri won it, obviously, the Barcelona midfielder. Outstanding. Outstanding year. Fully deserved. But what I would say is Gio Reyna, before the injury, if he had not suffered the injury in September, if he had been able to play through the, from September to now, I think he could have finished second. I think he could have finished as high as second, definitely top three. But unfortunately, you know, he hasn't played since since August in in Europe, and obviously that cost him. Um, and for those who don't remember, Christian Pulisic finished second one year as well. I believe he finished second to Kylian Mbappe, so not bad company there. Um, but still, it's uh, it's great to see Reina back, and, and I can I look forward to seeing him back with Dortmund. And obviously, you want him on the field against Canada in Canada. Whatever you need to have happen there, he needs to be on that field. Because you're going to need your arena if you're going to beat Canada in Canada. Because that's going to be a game. That's going to be a monster game. Canada is the real deal. And U.S. is going to need all hands on deck. And I know some people say, wait a minute, the U.S. US manhandled Mexico and they didn't have Giorena. But hey, Canada's better than Mexico right now for anyone who missed that game. Canada is better than Mexico right now. Mexico's got some, they've got some things to work out. Canada is going to be a handful. I know that's what is it, more than a month away, almost two months away. So we've got some time, but hopefully G arena can get back in action because uh, I'm sure I speak for a lot, of all American soccer fans in saying that it's been way too long. Can't wait to see him back in action. And moving on to MLS before we get into the MLS playoffs, actually, you know what? We'll get right into the MLS playoffs. Philadelphia union um, are facing the possibility of missing some players for the Eastern conference final against NYCFC because of COVID protocols. And 
apparently the reports are, well, actually Jim Curtin confirmed that the union weren't able to train on Thursday because they had so many players that were in the COVID protocols. So at this point, and unfortunately because of HIPAA laws, uh, you know, the league and Jim Curtin haven't and don't, they choose not to release the, the number of players that are out and the names of the players that are out. If the players come out and say that they won't play or can't play, that's one thing, but the league will not do it. And, the teams won't do it. So right now we don't know right now. We don't know how many union players are going to be out or could be out. We don't know who the players are. And I know there's a lot of guesswork going on right now. There's a lot of investigation going on. Everyone's looking, you know, people trying to get their eye on training because the union did train on Friday. So right now, you know, it's hard to say because, you know, we don't have the, the solid info on who could potentially be out, but that's, that's devastating. It is devastating if the union end up missing uh, a chunk of players, a chunk of starters. I mean, if you think about that, that I mean, that would be pretty crazy. And it's not unheard of completely because it's easy to kind of forget that it was just a year ago, MLS Cup final, the Columbus crew had multiple players that ended up contracting COVID and couldn't play. Dar- Dar- Darlington Nagby being the most uh, the most prominent one. It's it, I think I remember correctly. Pedro Santos, I think, also missed. Could be wrong there. But definitely Daunton Agby, that was kind of the big the big storyline there is the fact that he missed. And guess what? Everyone kind of assumed, oh, no, the Columbus crew are toast now. Seattle's going to run all over them. Guess what happened? Columbus crew win MLS Cup despite missing those players. So you can't rule out the union just because they're missing some players. But the thing is, we don't know how many and we don't know who. Right? Because, look, if they're missing their you know, if you're talking Andre Blake, you're talking Casper Shibilko. If you're talking, uh, you know, Jose Martinez, you're talking Bedoya. I mean, these are key cogs in the machine. Not easy to replace. But you know what? Jim Curtin, you know, he's a great coach and he's going to definitely earn his money there. So, uh, you know, hopefully for, for the union's sake and Jim Curtin's sake that they don't have too many players missing and definitely not too many of their key players missing. Um, one thing working in their favor is the fact that actually NYCFC is going to be without their best player in, in Tati Castellanos, the reigning MLS Golden Boot winner, who drew a red card in their upset win over New England. Uh, we haven't had a show since that match. Um, but just to touch on that a little bit, obviously, New England, the Supporters Shield winners, number one seed, best record in the league, and they lose in their first playoff match after having what almost a month off. And and obviously there's a lot of issues with the, with the playoff setup. And we have seen now for, for years now that top seeds fall in the MLS playoffs. And you have to really ask yourself, like it's one thing for just one or two teams to stumble like that. One or, you know, one or two teams to get knocked off. But when you've seen this trend for years, top seeds falling, you have to start looking at the setup. And I know the league has tried to do things to fix that, right? They've tried to do things to help the top seed, make it easier for the top seed. Because you know what? They deserve top seeds deserve something for, for their regular season success. And unfortunately for New England, at the end of the day, it came down to they didn't have a great they didn't have a great game. By you know, let's be clear. They didn't have a great game. You can you can chalk it up to some degree to the fact that they hadn't played in a while. But you also want to give NYCFC some credit because at the end of the day, that was going that was always going to be a tough matchup because NYCFC is a good team. They found their form late in the season. They were going to be a threat. And they played great. They played great. And at the end of the day, it still came down to penalties. 
It's it's still game down to penalties, and NYCFC hit all five perfectly. Matt Turner gets right twice, couldn't stop him, couldn't touch him. And then my man Alex Collins, the Peruvian center back, having a career year, he steps up and hits a left-footed cannon. I mean, he didn't – I mean, the fearlessness. I mean, think about the pressure. You have the chance to send your team to – the Eastern Conference Final, and he blasts that shot. I mean, that was that was to me was just so impressive. That was as impressive as like a, just a regular free kick goal, or whatever. Just because of the balls you gotta have to strike a ball like that with everything on the line. So credit to, to Alex Collins. And look, it's still a great season for New England. Let's be clear, great season for them. And, and let's not forget where New England used to be. For so many years that they, they, you know, so many years, uh, it's been a long time since those that run of MLS Cup Finals appearances. To be clear, they they had some lean years for quite some time. So Bruce Arena did a great job there, turning that around. It's still disappointing, right? You're still going to say, look, if you win the Supporters Shield, you set a record for most points in the history of the league. You shouldn't lose your first playoff match. I get that. That's a fa- it's a fair criticism, but they faced a tough team. They didn't play their best. NYCFC knocked them off. So. Kudos to NYCFC. And you know what? Now they find themselves in this situation where they could be playing a shorthanded union team and find, and they could, you know, they could be in the final. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously the Western conference final is the Portland Timbers versus Real Salt Lake. Two teams that knocked off the higher seeds, Portland beat Colorado, which let's face it. It wasn't an upset. I mean, no, no disrespect to Colorado, but when it came down to it, Colorado, as great as the regular season was, they got into the they came into the playoffs with a team that didn't have a ton of playoff experience. And they, they go up against a team in Portland that did have playoff experience. And then you get that first half. Colorado plays well, but don't get the goal. And it came back to haunt them. And credit to the Timbers. Now they're in the in, in the West final. They may or may not have Sebastian Blanco. He's a question mark. They won't have Dairon Espria because he got a red card late in the game. And now they face Real Salt Lake. The underdog, the the giant killers, the road warriors, Pablo Mestrani's team is rolling. And as much as you could criticize all you want about them getting zero shots against Seattle and winning, they turn around, go to Kansas City, and outplay Sporting Kansas City. Fully deserved win. You can't take it away from them. They earned it, and now they're in the final, and these teams are meeting on Saturday. Hopefully you're listening listening to this on Saturday morning, getting you prepped for it. That should be a great final, and it is a toss-up. It really is, because you have Blanco, who's, you know, at this point he's questionable after uh, suffering an injury in the, in, in the previous match. No, no died on Espria. Does Diego Valeri have a game in him? Does he have another one of those trademark big playoff game performances in him? Because if he does, the Timbers absolutely can and should win at home. But if he doesn't and Blanco can't go, the Timbers are going to struggle for chances. And Real Salt Lake is feeling it right now. Not only are they playing with confidence, not only do they have David Ochoa, who's just become the biggest villain in MLS, and and you love it. You love to see a young and confident player like him just really just come into his own. But now they have Albert Rusnak back. So, they're you know what? Now they got full, they have the full squad. So, we could absolutely see RSL beat the Timbers. And if RSL beats the Timbers, all of a sudden you're talking about an MLS Cup final either in Philadelphia at Subaru Park or Yankee Stadium. How about that? And I don't know if that's been confirmed that it's definitely going to be in Yankee Stadium if they're the hosts, but either way, I mean, I, that either in, in either scenario, it's going to be epic if it happens. But of course, RS, uh, RSL still has to win a third road game in a row. 
And if they do give Pablo Mastroeni his contract, he is the RSL coach. He are, I think he's already done enough. He's already for me, he's already done enough. Make him the head coach. And if he beats the Timbers, if he gets this team to the uh MLS Cup final, he has to be you, you, if you're RSL, you have to hire him. You have to he has to keep the job. So, we'll see. Should be an interesting set of conference finals this weekend. Now, I'm sure there's tons of, that, that I wanted to get into. Um, obviously, you have some award. There's some MLS awards I'll get into uh, next episode, which I am praying is Monday. I'm shooting for Monday because I, uh, I don't I don't like only having one uh, one a week. I try to have at least one a week, but I want to have two a week. And hopefully we can get back to two a week starting Monday because I do want to dig into the MLS Best 11 selections. Um, those are out. Uh, the MVP, everything's been decided in terms of the, all the MLS awards. Bruce Arena, Coach of the Year. Marcus Zimmerman, Defender of the Year. Matt Turner, Goalkeeper of the Year. The Best 11's been announced. The only thing that has been announced is MVP, and that will be Carlos Gill uh, because... We already know there is a quote-unquote big announcement at Gillette Stadium on, I believe it's Tuesday. MLS is going to have a big announcement. What could it be? Yes, it's going to be Carlos Gill's MVP. I mean, it's not like they're trying to really keep it a secret because, you know what, at the end of the day, they want to bring media to that. They want to have the coverage. They want to give Carlos Gill the event that he deserves for winning the final. I mean, this is not a new thing, and it's amazing to me that people still aren't figuring it out. You have people who are actually sitting there saying, hmm, I wonder what is going on at Gillette. What is MLS doing at Gillette Stadium on Tuesday? What could it be? It's not the logo. Carlos Gill's your MVP. And I'm sorry to spoil it for anyone who hadn't figured out the obvious, haven't figured out the pattern that has happened for 20 plus years in MLS in the days before the MLS Cup final, but that's what's going to happen. And for me, fully deserved. Carlos Gill, absolutely the MVP, runaway choice. I know some people will say, wait a minute, Hani Mukhtar looked amazing in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Great. Yo, you're right. He was amazing in the playoffs, but the playoffs are not part of the setup. MVP is regular season only, and that's always been the case. And for me, regular season, what he did in terms of being the focal point of the New England amazing season that they had, you got to give it to him. You got to give him MVP, and apparently he's getting it. So there you go. And I voted for him. So, I mean, take that what you will. No, not all of my picks won. I think actually, I think most of my picks, I, I, I like Robin Frazier for coach of the year. And I know some people will say, wait a minute, Bruce Arena had the best record in the history of the league. Why would he not be coach of the year? Again, for me, I had New England having a great year. I saw New England being a top team in the MLS this year. And the thing with Bruce Arena and what he did in New England, it's almost like he deserves more than coach of the year. He deserves like builder of the year or he deserves, it's like he needs some hybrid. They need to have a whole category for those guys who have the head coach and sporting director titles. And I know it's not like there's a ton of them because right now my understanding is it's Bruce Arena, Peter Vermees, Adrian Heath. That's it. So, okay, fine. It's only those three, but <laughs> Bob Bradley is going to make it four now. But for me, what Bruce Arena did deserves more than coach of the year because he built that team. He coached that team. He made that team the best regular season team in MLS history. Right. And I guess for that, for that, I'm not going to sit here and uh, bash the choice of him as, as coach of the year. But for me, for my criteria for coach of the year, specifically Robin Frazier, the job he did with the team, with the Rapids was, I mean, m- unbelievable. But So, uh, you know, what? Bruce Arena, I have no problem with that. The best 11, I'll get into that next episode. But uh, you know what? I've, I've long-standing issues with best 11 in terms of they never give fullbacks their love. You rarely, if ever, see fullbacks get their due. And they should make it 
you should have it to have you should have to have at least one fullback for me i mean ideally you have two you have a left back you have a right back but for me you should have at least one fullback that's kind of my gripe i'll get into it in more detail next episode um but that's it um for now i think we've touched on everything there that i can get into now i don't want to have a super long episode i wish i could tell you what time it is <laughs> that i'm recording this but it will be dropping saturday morning but i think i've covered as much as i can get into now but uh, look for the next episode on Monday. And definitely, listen, sh- send me messages on Twitter. Send me emails. Let me know that you want two episodes a week. Because if, if like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, is one episode a week good? Or should I be, should we be doing two episodes a week? That, that that's I think that's a big question that I need to figure out. I need to figure out, does two episodes work? I mean, I'm looking at the numbers, and we're, we're holding pretty steady when we do two, whether it's one episode, two episodes, we're, we're settling in at a pretty, pretty decent number. Um, hopefully, I can get into two episodes starting on Monday. So I'm just going to put it that, put it out there. But, uh, but that's all for now. We'll, we'll definitely come back uh, talking MLS playoffs. We'll talk MLS Cup final. Um, we'll look to preview that. Actually, that's the main reason I have two episodes next week is because we're going to recap stuff Monday. And then we have to have the MLS Cup final preview later in the week. So there you go. Look for two episodes next week. And uh, and also let me know if you like this this new song because I just I just needed a change. Um, I kind of like this one, so we'll see. Let me know. Let me know if I should bring the old one back. But uh, but that's all for now. I'm Ivan Scalarset. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>